This is Up The Creek, the definitive Jonathan Creek podcast with your host, my good friend Daniel Krupa and me, Gav Murphy. Today, we're meeting with a man who sold his soul to the devil and can no longer die. On this podcast, we talk about Jonathan Creek via the effect, the method, and the reveal. Daniel, what is the effect of the curious tale of Mr. Spearfish? A man sells his soul to the devil and becomes rich, bulletproof, and unkillable. <laughs> yeah, this episode is fucking wild. <laughs> I mean, season three, isn't it? Whoa! Like, do, do you know what? As much as I think this is absolutely mad... There was a part of me where I was watching it going, well done for coming up with this because I could never I could never see this as a possible storyline for anything. Like, well done. You've come up with something that I couldn't ever conceive. This is quite a an insane and elaborate episode. So we've got Lenny Spearfish. <laughs> He's got a lot to do, this 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 character, this actor, Andrew Tienan. And I feel like this episode would have done so much better had they cast an actual good actor because he's got to do it it's like he's so i know he's meant to be sort of unlikable but he also needs to have a really good quality you have to you have to there has to be a reason that alice is in love with him which i can't see because over the years they get quite a lot of famous british comedy actors there was one in here got griffrey jones playing jeremy sangster the qc yeah why not get them and cast them in the villain roles or the the, the main roles of the people that are baffled more it happens once or twice, but usually they're supporting. They don't do that Columbo thing where you've got Leonard Nimoy as the villain. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like, I think you're right. It would maybe be a bit more compelling. Imagine Griff Rees-Jones in that role. That's the thing. It's like, because there was a big thing in the 70s where, and like Murder, She Wrote did it well. Because when Murder, She Wrote came out, basically people were sick of serial television like that because essentially they would always cast the most, so every time you see the most famous person in Colombo, it'd be like, right, he did it, sort of thing. So Murder, She Wrote, like I remember um, listening to an interview with the people who uh, came up with Murder, She Wrote, going like, Murder, She Wrote was going to purposely sort of flip that on its head because people were getting tired of murder serials and they were like right we're going to cast really famous people but as smaller roles and people are you know are always going to think it was them and be really suspicious of them but actually it's a swerve they're just there for different roles but at the same time this doesn't matter with lenny spearfish because he just needs to be like it's not like oh we're trying to figure out who the murderer is he just needs to be a good actor and He's just so horribly unlikable that it just does my head in. And there's also one more distracting thing, which you pointed out before I even oh, watched yeah. it, which ruined it for me as well. <laughs> I'm really sorry. I think we started watching it at the same time. I was like, I cannot get over the fact that Lenny Spearfish looks like every single vampire in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> Why did the vampires look like Klingons in Buffy? Yeah, it's weird. I guess... Um, Nosferatu? Because there's got to be so many of them. Because there's got, be, I think because there's got to be so many of them, they've got to go, right, what is vampirish that we can just stick on them every day? <laughs> Quick. Yeah. <laughs> so they get ropes into this through a dinner party? Yes. I think we'll probably revisit the dinner party at some point. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's kind of odd, isn't it? Because it is... All right. It is something for him to solve. <laughs> well, 
I think about this episode, and because we've already prepped for the next episode, they kind of in my head, the two episodes that are dabbling in other forms of supernaturalism. Yes. Whereas previously, they've on the whole been more resembling magic tricks and magic effects yeah. where things have disappeared. Mm-hmm. These episodes remind me of things that are sometimes used in magic to give it a little bit of a flavor. Absolutely, yeah. So occultism or diabolism. Like, that's a little dressing that you can do for magic tricks. And also, like, I'm not saying that Renwick... Obviously, it's easy to make the comparison between this and the X-Files because it's, you know, about a sort of will-they-won't-they team solving mysteries. But if, like, the X-Files did, by this point, properly just go, no, aliens exist, uh, monsters exist like other dimensions and like there's shit going on and i feel like with these two episodes definitely you kind of get that a little bit because like even when you're watching this now it's presented straight like lenny spearfish tells it straight he's not like what could it possibly be he's like no i've sold my soul to the devil and it works (laughs) yeah like we have adamant believers in it yeah for sure they're not like oh how did this this how did this strange thing happen there must be a logical explanation they've so tightly latched on to the supernatural explanation yeah and, and like I, I obviously can't remember what i was thinking at, as a kid at the time but i'm sure i must have been excited there and like right it's actually gonna start going off now because it could have there's no reason why they couldn't have just gone do you know what yes we have been ostensibly in the real world for two series now we're going fucking mental jonathan battling demons I'm on. I, w- I would have been all right with it. I'd have been all right with it. Because when you've got to keep fishing around in the mundane, it's 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 fun when they're good. When it's not and you have to keep bringing it back to Earth, it might not be as fun. Obviously, we know that eventually we'll get onto the details of it. But just to go to the beginning, he sells his soul to the devil in this weird <laughs> backstreet shop. Yeah. What is this shop? <laughs> What are they getting out of it? I've, it's like our gremlins. I've actually, I've generally written down on my notes, what is this shop with two I feel like lines. he's walked away with this lovely poster. <laughs> it's a nice little bit of art. It looks nicely printed. What's in it for them? What's it easy? They paid him. So they think it's real. Like, what is that how, shop? How are, they, how are they making rent on their shop? I, I, I was just like, it's wild. Also, I really love that. When he was saying, when he's like, uh, when he's coming home from the pub, he's like, I knew about this place. It's like, that's when you decide to do it. It's like, all I'm doing is getting a kebab on the way home. He's selling his soul. You know what it reminded me of? Like a really shit version of the beginning of Hellraiser. Yeah. When he, when, oh, what's he guy called? Um, when he's looking for like otherworldly pleasures. Yeah, yeah. And he's just, he's just knocking about in a back street. Yeah, it's weird. There's a, there's a touch of like gremlins about it as well, isn't it? Where it? Like, but it's just like, I heard about this place. And then he goes in and decides to sell his soul to the devil. But it's just like, he comes back with the actual money. It's mad. It's absolutely mad. This is your grandfather's store? Yeah. Come on. No wonder you got to drag people in off the street to the method right because then we can kind of go circle back this a little bit so lenny spearfish isn't actually favored by the devil instead alice uh his wife is being watched over and looked after by her unidentified but extremely powerful father who she never knew and it's pretty strongly well it's a member of the royal family yeah 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 that's what we learn it, it this is insane yeah 
uh, but the thing is though i kind of like it i think the way that they do it is quite cheap because there's a bit right at the end when maddie and jonathan are talking to each other and it's just them it's just them talking and john and maddie goes to jonathan go on then who do you think it is and he writes it down on a piece of paper and shows it to her there is no reason for him to do that because nobody else is there. The only reason that is, is because they didn't want to say it for the actual real life TV audience. It's actually more incriminating to have it written down. Yeah. I, I found that a bit really frustrating. I find it as frustrating as when I see like bad writers write, oh, you can make your own joke there. You fucking make the joke, mate. You're the writer. I'm reading your article. You fucking make the joke. Same with this. It's like, oh. It's not Little yeah. Big Planet. Do it. It's kind of strange, isn't it? Who do you think it is? I don't know, and I guess like Charles. Yeah, I think that's who they want you to maybe think it. Yeah, yeah. In retrospect, knowing what we know now, absolutely Prince Andrew. Yeah, it's probably Prince Andrew, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, so we've we've got some wild clues. So like they're not really cl- they the kind of half clues. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, because Lenny, even though they keep coming into different amounts of money and things like that, Lenny's obviously running with this thing of the devil but it feels like people are i guess mixed up in some prostitutes dealings with a murderer it's like a weird coincidence of him doing this contract thing and this thing was going to happen anyway and because this happens after that you assume it's because of that yeah so there's a lot of bunch of different like circumstantial stuff like the cigarette marks on his body which he takes as bullet marks that's too much that one's a little bit too much for me that she does that because yeah it makes that fake shooting credible it's weird like if she was in on it then i could get i could get my head around it but it's just accidental yeah yeah yeah. that's the thing if she was in on it it would have been it would have been fine but she's not, and it's all this stuff is just going on anyway. Also, it's like it's really odd to it's a really leap of fancy in your head to go, yeah, I'm bulletproof, but the bullets will still make a mark on me that look like burns. And you're like, well, are you bulletproof or you're not? Yeah. <laughs> a Superman isn't just going like, yeah, I've got loads of scars. It's hurting you then. That yeah. has hurt you, and you've forgotten. <laughs> because if someone burns you with a cigarette, you're waking up the next morning. That is hurting for sure for sure do you know what i've watched this episode so many times i can never see this uh red thing on the cheek of the shooter they're so cheeky with it because it's not it does not resemble any laser dot that you've seen right you've seen laser dots in loads of movies maybe maybe not as much in 1999 i think you have in 1999 to be fair i think i knew what they were and because i think if they'd done it properly it would be so obvious what it was right so they really fade it out quite a lot because I, I just don't think you'd get away with it. Yeah. Because, yeah, people would be like, it was a laser dot. That whole bit is wild. Yeah, so now we know what the method is. She's constantly being watched over by MI5 or MI6. So let's say Prince Charles. Prince Charles is deployed MI5 or MI6. <laughs> would be MI5, would it? To look like, just protect her at all times. That's nuts. Are they there all the time? Or are they just there right now because of what's going on? Because Lenny's been wild. Because Lenny's gone off his head. But also, I think that's the thing. There's obviously a, a great love there between Lenny and Alice, but he just feels like such a wrong one. He's obviously quite a troubled person. Because there is one bit where she says he wasn't always like this in the back of the car to Jonathan yeah, and Maddie. Yeah. Which is quite sad. It seems like he's changed quite a lot in their relationship because of their hard times and obviously because then this 
unprecedented wealth. <sighs> yeah. And then, like, the other thing is this family photograph that Jonathan kind of latches onto and works it out. is like two people with blue eyes are very unlikely to make a baby with brown eyes. I don't know how unlikely or likely that is, to be fair. Hmm. Probably is, but still not impossible. No. And also to then latch onto that to the degree, I think that's quite a big old leap. <laughs> like, I think it is a big old leap to get from those to she's been watched over by the M- MI5. <laughs> that's almost like the outlandish explanation Maddie would come up with for something. <laughs> but it's real. Like the whole laser gun sounds like when the, we've had these conversations before, yeah. when Maddie kind of free associates and comes up with a bonkers explanation mm. that he dismisses. This episode, we're almost getting into that crazy territory right at the end. Because oh, another thing we've not covered is the fact that the house burns down. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, they assume it's the contract with the devil. And in the summary, Jonathan just says, some remote-controlled gizmo. Well, high enough for any telltale letters and diaries in that tea chest to be conveniently torched using some remote-controlled gizmo or other? I hate that line. <laughs> Because I feel like in the first episode, he offers remote control, like gizmos yeah. as the textbook over explanation. Yeah. And now he's just like some remote control gizmo. We even see the remote control gizmo. Yeah, I think we're going to have to, like, we should keep an eye out for this as well. Because I think like the more that Jonathan Creek goes on as a series, the more they do kind of forget the what was good about it. And the rules that they set up in the very first episode. Well, Let's all go, like, like a lot of the show, let's go back to that Indian restaurant. Yeah. You don't want to know the explanation because it's boring. Yeah. It's banal. This explanation is fucking amazing. Yeah. and I, It's outlandish and crazy. It's got gadgets and laser guns. And I think, like, we've talked about it before. It's like when we talk about, it, did we enjoy episode? Is it a good episode? And I think, like, obviously the best episodes are where everything is presented for you and you've just not been able to make, you've just not been able to connect them yourself. So, but everything is there for you to connect if you if you wanted to if you really wanted to work at it you probably could do it whereas the bad episodes or the the least successful episodes i think maybe is the ones where yeah you might be presented with everything but there's no possible way that you could have put that together i think this one definitely widens the perspective of jonathan creek and what an explanation can be for the show yeah yeah yeah, that's the thing. Is like, I don't think that it's. I I do kind of like the idea of this like guardian angel thing and like secret past and things like that. Like, there's some good there's some good ideas in that that I generally quite enjoy. I think that well, to pick up on what you just said, I think the the epiphany is really good for that. Then, no, it's what you said about being in a Frank Capra movie. A little light came on suddenly, just for a second, and then fizzled out again. It's a really good epiphany, and then. About this idea of a guardian angel, which is in It's a Wonderful Life, not kind of a demon looking after you. But the uh, the other epiphany, when he sees Maddie sitting down next to the Jewish man in court, and it's kind of like not knowing what might be in your own past, and like sort of connecting it to the photo, the family photo, the blue eyes and the brown eyes. His face during that epiphany in the court scene is wild. And he does that a couple of times, to be fair. But big old acting, though. Yeah, there's a lot going on. There. Um, I, what I do like about it, bringing in like the royal family and all that stuff, it's almost trying to take Jonathan into a bigger playing field. Yeah. Or a bigger league. Like, 
some of the Sherlock Holmes stories, he starts d- dabbling through his brother, like the with the higher echelons of government or the royal family. I like that. And I almost thought they were dipping their toe and going, oh, can Jonathan handle stuff at like a higher level? Whereas everything has been relatively quaint. Yeah. Well, some of them have been anyway. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I definitely get that. Does it make sense? I mean, it depends. It all comes back to the idea of the royal family thing. Yeah. And the royal family just having... I think this is what people think the royal family could do. Yes. <laughs> they definitely can't. Yeah. It will, I hope they can't. Like, uh, I'm not a massive fan of the royal family or anything like that, but I do love the idea of them just sitting around watching stuff like this and watching conspiracy theories and being like, fuck me, if people knew how boring we actually were... Um, but also a part of you does want to believe that there is some you know, like really horrible eyes wide shut shit going on at the palace every day. It's the thing that we've always heard about since 97 is the queen at Diana Guild. Yeah. Some people genuinely believe that. Yeah. There was a thing yesterday because yeah, we're right in the middle of lockdown and just like that meme, which is like my plans then 2020 uh, memes format has just been going around. And like some of them are funny, some of them are not. It's obviously too much now. But one of them was just a picture of Diana. It just said my plans. And then the next picture was just the queen looking really evil. It's <laughs> in 2020 above it. I was like, that's fucking horrible. Bro. Wow. I love it. I love the it. 23 years later that one's just <laughs> the the reveal is a strange one as well because by that point i was just so flabbergasted by the entire thing i'm not i'm still not a hundred percent on what the royal family's agents were involved in and then you go because I, I feel like they didn't have to be involved in the fire <laughs> Yeah, well, they said that's to destroy any incriminating letters. They say. Well, they said they also said as well as like Jonathan says like, oh, the the idea was to take them to the wire and see if like they could their their relationship could handle it. And I was like, I don't think that idea is presented strong enough because so many other coincidences and factors come into it. If the entire thing was orchestrated, then that pro- that project of let's take them to the wire and see if their relationship can do it, that does work. But then there's also all these other things in it. But why bother? Don't know. Also, if you can get in the house to plant the remote control gizmo, you could find the letters. Yeah. But I guess they can't be honest looking. They just want to like, just torture it all. Yeah, it's put set on fire. He thinks it's the devil doing it. Don't worry about it. He will not. Yeah, that's really unlucky <laughs> that he's just signed a contract with the devil. I bet they're reporting this back to Charles and going, what's happening? Well, because that's the thing. Like, is the is the shop in on it? Because otherwise, what the fuck is this? Sh- why does this shop exist? I, th- I thought there was going to be a, a scene where he went back and he's like, oh, this is the shop. And the shop was gone um, or something like that. I was like, right. But it's not, is it? My, fa- my favorite thing about uh, Alice, though, is at the, di- at the dinner party when Mr. Spearfish is laying it all out. Why shouldn't I know the truth? That I sold my soul to the devil. Her face, she's like, for fuck's sake, not this again. <laughs> like, it really made me laugh. <laughs> I mean, he lays that on thick. Oh, it's horrible. He's not a good actor, man. And that's the thing, it's like... He's, he's really not. It's like, imagine if that was someone really good. You know who else isn't good? Who? The hitman, Troy. Oh, yeah, he's not very good at all. You know when he turns up at the pool? I've listened to it about five times when he goes... Got lucky once, friend. Twice. I don't think so. Oh, it's horrible, that is. 
Who who could it be? That who is like Lenny Spearfish, Martin Clunes. Martin Clunes, that's good. Robert Lindsay, I was thinking when I was watching it. Robert Lindsay be great. Oh, we could recast these. <laughs> this could be a new element. Who from British TV would you like to see in an episode? Robert Lindsay would be fantastic at that because he's got that evil Shakespearean side. Yeah. Like he, this would really benefit with someone with RSC shots. I know, because you've got to sell a story about selling your fucking soul to the devil. That's straight up Shakespeare stuff. It's Faust. It's Marlowe. Lenny Spearfish is in so many scenes. He's in so many scenes. He's called Lenny Spearfish. You need a good actor to pull that off. <laughs> He's in so many scenes in the show. It's just wild that they don't have... It's not someone good. Or Frank. The guy who played Frank in Hellraiser. Get that. <laughs> Get him in. Um, at the end, this is a question, lingering question I had. Are they ever going to be divested of this falsehood that he was seduced by the devil? Are they going to tell them that's not real? That's a really good point. <laughs> or are they going to live the rest of their life thinking... He sold his soul to the devil, and that's why they're rich. <laughs> There's a really funny bit as well, where that agent from whatever fucking made-up agency is there, and they're like, right, we need to sign this stuff over. And Jonathan and Maddie just turn up unannounced, and she's like, we'll need two witnesses to the signature. What were you going to do if they didn't turn up, out of curiosity? I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> also, <laughs> Alice Spearfish, if you literally think this money belongs to the devil and you're a christian i like that she's hesitating of signing the papers like, oh, I, would, I could have some of the money mm. <laughs> yeah it was a good thing it's like because it made it's made out that she's into god and stuff but is that when uh when it's quite a british thing but i didn't put it in my uh in my cat in my elements but there's a bit where <laughs> Lenny Spearfish says about when he ter- when he tells Alice about selling his soul, she wasn't best pleased. <laughs> <laughs> that is a very British handling of selling your soul to the devil, isn't it? Of course, when I told her what it was, she wasn't best pleased. God and the Bible were things she took very seriously. this time i didn't know what to believe okay we've had the effect the method and the reveal but there are other elements which make up every episode of jonathan creek um starting with the victor meldrew award for the most unbelievable thing i mean right pickings here that the entire like sex scandal court case based on yep like a really elaborate misunderstanding of words Adam and the Kipper, I've put. Yeah, it's a completely sitcom setup. Even though it's reported, the actual scene in the hotel sounds like straight up farce. Yeah. And it's also is relying on really stretching the meaning of words. Kind of like when Maddie orders that poached octopus in that one episode. Mm. Like it's really relying on that. Yeah, because what it is, she turns up, he's I think he accidentally reveals himself to her because he's got a dressing gown. She drops his breakfast and he says the kipper yeah which he then has said oh he told me to do that any decent act with a kipper yeah but then we find out the whole thing is a setup by adam it gets really elaborate that whole thing it's fucking stupid because he wants the publicity from it yeah yeah there's a bit which i to be fair i've put it in my, what have i put yeah it? i've got some yeah i think i put it in the thing that's dated the most which is like you know what the french are like 
slight like really outdated version of the French just being like, yeah, they're just into grot. I could put that across a few categories. I put that also in that all right. I do. Th- I wonder if some of that is late 90s yeah. and um, Eurotrash and things like that. Absolutely. Where British people just thought people in Europe were sex mad. Was Eurotrash the show a thing in America? Probably not, is it? No. What a wild show that was. For people who don't know, Eurotrash was a thing that was on late night on Channel 4. And it was basically just grot. And it was sort of badly dubbed over sort of clip show and different features about people with big boobs and getting their dicks out and stuff all in Europe. You can say penis on British TV. What can you say penis on You the... just can't. And the pissing boy is there to remind all the Belgian men that they have a penis. I already told you that you cannot say penis on British TV. You can say pissing, but not penis. Exactly. There was also mad... I remember there was, a, I think, a Spanish painter who exclusively painted in their own shit. And so he collected it when it was different shades, and he would collect it when it's different shades because he needed a, a wider palette. Who uh, was the presenter? There was French guy, Antoine. Antoine de Caen. And Jean-Paul... Jean-Paul Gaultier, yeah. Gaultier was the co-presenter <laughs> for many years. I mean... One of the most famous fashion designers in the world presented it. Yeah. There was the Italian woman, Lola Ferrari. Yes. Who died because she got infected by her own boobs. That's just mad. Um, It's a crazy show, Just look at it now. Carla Bruni, uh, Nicolas Sarkozy's wife, was in it. Come on, Gav. You know what the French like. (laughs) (laughs) How many... Of course, the the president's wife's on it. Do you know how many episodes of Eurotrash there were? I mean, I've probably seen quite a lot of them. What, a couple hundred? 153 episodes. <gasps> was it made for Britain? Or was it actually made in France? Like, no, I think... In France, really? Oh, the show was conceived in Paris for London-based Rapido Television by, yeah, by a British guy. Maybe we were in Grok Cabinet by accident. We are fallen backwards into the Grok Cabinet. I'll tell you what I'm watching straight after we finish recording these, though. There was an EU referendum special in 2016. Straight on that. Straight on that. What else we got for Mel Drew? I've put Jonathan not being able to drive. Yeah. That's just a weird sitcom scenario there. Yeah, just the shot of him driving really, really slow, loads of stuff beeping behind him. That's 100%. That's like Mr. Bean, that is. Maddie being driven off while in the back of her car. That's very funny. And and as well, the subsequently like crawling out of the car and the policeman seeing her as well. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's pretty silly uh, the jewish dinner where the jewish family think jonathan's a doctor that's a straight up sitcom scenario yeah why is she lied about him being a gynecologist it's impressive but why does she want to impress them i have no idea the whole thing's there for them to meet lenny spearfish but it's a weird setup it's a really weird setup mate um, <laughs> yeah get back to that in a second day um <laughs> the thing that's dated the most like just bigging up the internet <laughs> so yeah that's what i've put it's amazing what you can find on the internet <laughs> i've also put printing something off the internet yeah <laughs> mate i'm old enough that i remember like when i worked at b and q i used to like print out blogs that i would then go read in the staff room like on my break and stuff like that because i couldn't get the internet on my phone at that point i used to i used to print off um IGN guides. Did you? And make my own guide. Ah, that's amazing. I'll, I'll show them. Have you got anything else? Oh, I got Maddie, Maddie's uh, mad Nokia phone, but that's not really dated the most, but yeah. Uh, 3310. 3310. Love the 3310. I, I had that with um, swappable fascia plates. I had one of them. Amazing. Amazing. I also put, it's not date. 
I felt like you used to hear this a lot more in TV. She says, Mrs. Spacey, or whatever your name is. <laughs> yeah, no, I like that. I like that a lot. But most British thing, I've just put Mr. Spearfish in general. <laughs> just like, I feel like that kind of like blokey British, I don't know. Which, that's the thing that's kind of at odds with the fact that Alice is in love with him. Because Alice feels so nice, but he feels like a fucking prick. Like an absolute meathead. Yeah. And I just don't get like lots of stuff that he says like... He's proper late 90s geezer, isn't he? Yeah. Referring to his sod in gyro. Uh, that's a very British thing. Um, what is gyro? Is it like... It's benefits. Government like stipend. Benefits. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Dole. Dole money. money, yeah. I've written this down and I'm a bit annoyed I haven't written the context of which it's uttered. Mm. But in this episode, we hear the phrase widow twanky. Oh, we do. Yeah. I think... It might be something... Is this the episode where Jonathan's doing ironing? Her laundry. It's when she's doing the laundry, yeah. Widow Twanky is a very British concept related to pantomime, if you don't know. Typically a man dressed as a woman? Yeah, yeah, uh, for Widow Twanky. I used to do a panto every single Christmas um, for the local theatre in Blackwood because that's how they would make all their money for the year by doing like a big thing. So I used to get like decent parts and I played Buttons one year. With Widow Twanky, so it was me and Widow Twanky as a little double act. Were you going from the original source material or the Jim Davidson text? Uh, original source material, obviously. Okay. I actually do remember as well one year when I, that year, the guy who played Widow Twanky was like known for like improv. And I think I would have been like 14 at the time. So obviously my improv chops. Um, Watching a lot of whose line is it anyway? Yeah. My improv chops were not good. I remember there almost being a fight between. The guy who played the Sultan, which I'm sure if we go back and watch it was probably quite... Adam Klaus Turban on, isn't it? Uh, yeah. But I remember that, like, it coming to a fight in the theatre because the Widow Twanky, they were like, oh, you can't... It's, it's Sometimes when you're doing uh, the more sexual improv, it's really throwing Gav off. And I was only 14 at the time. So when he's making jokes about penises and vaginas and stuff, as a 14-year-old, I was like, oh, I don't know what to say. The guy who played the Sultan was like, mate, you got to really keep it down. He was like, no, like he should learn how to do improv properly. And they actually, like, it came to like full-on, had to be pulled apart fight in the bar because he just wouldn't let it be. It's fucking wild. This is an insane story. I know. <laughs> Breaking up the Sultan and the Widow Twanky because they were insulting. I wasn't expecting that from me just saying Widow Twanky. <laughs> the fact that you learn your improv skills from a, as a 40 year old boy from a Sultan. <laughs> I had a fight with a Sultan. Good times. Good times, baby. Can't go back. I can, I can imagine you were doing a Widow Twanky now. Exactly. I would. I'd be. I'd, I'd love to do that, yeah. We should do that. Um, RKG Panther. Oh my God, yeah. That'd be amazing. Referring uh, to uh, men's balls as tackle. Mm, yeah, that's good. I think that's a pretty British thing. You've got your tackle and you've got your Sandy Johnson. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and this is something that I always, I, I think is, I well, I, I associate with just crap Britishness, is a Clicks coffee machine. Oh, I don't even know what that is. Hi, it's Stephen Mills from Eden Cafe Vend. I'm here today to talk to you about the Clix Momentum hot drinks vending machine. Clix Momentum has 16 different drink selections that are hot and cold and a capacity of 1,248 drinks. With brands such as PG Tips, Nescafe Gold Blend, Galaxy Hot Chocolate, Nor Soups and Starbursts. 
when I first moved to London, I was really, really poor. The the Clicks coffee machine in our building, that my first job, it had soup in it. So I used to wait for everyone to go home because I literally couldn't afford food. Um, I used to wait for everyone to go home. And just, I had a big Sports Direct mug, one of the like big two pint of mugs, and then just fill it with the soup from the Clicks coffee machine, and that would be my tea. That's that is sad. <laughs> I was gonna say, I think that's probably why you don't have a high opinion of coffee. Yeah, that's what I think it is. <laughs> it tastes a bit like soup, yellow goop. Okay, big one this week. In you know, things were maybe all right back in the nineties. Not all right now. I mean, they definitely were all right in the nineties. Um, but I think the whole Jewish thing. Yeah. Um, I I it's really out of order. <laughs> when she gets the yamaka wrong and she's like oh yeah it's delicious like maybe that i can excuse if she's just she's just ignorant because mm. at least jonathan knows what it is which ties into the fact that they're balanced but having a jewish person called soul who works in insurance <laughs> also is the is the wife putting on an accent yeah i can't tell what that accent is whether it is essex or is it something else i really don't know i listened to it a few times i wasn't really sure the way that maddie even introduces that to uh jonathan as well is like there's no telling what's lurking i never knew if my father had a name let alone a foreskin like that's pretty but like that can go in things dated the most as well the way that jewish people are like that kind of stuff is discussed there's a lot there's a lot more as well um maddie shame on caroline quentin here doing the very stereotypical jewish woman accent oh yeah Right at the top of the episode. That's bad, isn't it? Also, I should have written a bit more context, but I think somebody talks to one of the Jewish characters about them being in a tribe. Oh my God. Shouldn't talk to Jewish people about tribes in general, I don't think. Yeah. Unless it's Lemmings Tribes, the sequel. Like- the, the like the phrase like Jewish humor is like the button on the episode where they're like- Don't you just love it? Oh my God. Uh, it's, yeah, it's all a bit wild, that one. I've got another one as well, and this is uh, lots of stuff that um, the lady in the dot, Maxine Peak, who's just it was recently in um, a Black Mirror episode. She's been in quite a lot of stuff, isn't she? I think she was in Curry. Yeah, she's 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 big. Yeah, she's got she's she's in Dinner Ladies. Big, yeah, she was in Dinner Ladies. Yeah, big British actress, really good. Because we've seen Adam wear a kimono, yeah, uh, bed oh, jacket. She calls it a Nancy kimono bed jacket, calling people a Nancy. Is that all right? It's probably not all right, is that? Do you have anything else of that? Not right. I just had the French thing as well. Oh yeah, you, yeah. Know, you know what the French are like. I think that can go in a few categories. Absolutely. What is that? Because I, because I think that's dated the most. Because that doesn't exist anymore. Yeah. Maybe. It's, do you think that's because British people are more open about sex now? Um, maybe. Thanks to Eurotrash. Excuse me, Antoine. Yes. I don't like to correct you, but I don't think you can say genitalia. On British television. Jean-Paul, not only I can say genitalia on British television, but I can show genitalia on British television. Ooh. British people are a bit of an enigma on that front because there's all that repressed yeah. like stereotype. But also people, British people are really grotty. Yeah. It's really strange as well. It's like, I didn't realise the French thing, like British people stereotypically not liking the French is still a big thing. It's more to, like in rugby, I see it quite a lot with like quite a lot of posh English people still got that quote of like, ah, oh, the bloody French. Oh, I, I think I, I heard that in something relatively new the other day. Yeah. I've never had, I really like the French. French people are amazing. French food is amazing and French culture is incredible. So maybe we're just uh, we're just more cultured in general, aren't you, Daniel? That's what you're trash. What, that's yeah. what watching you're trash in your bedroom <laughs> Uh, on Friday night as a 12-year-old will do for you. Yeah. 
Good times, good times. On that note, should we open up the grot cabinet? Hello, Adam. How are you? I mean, I guess you know we've we've I've touched on his entire court case that also belongs in the grot cabinet. I'm quite glad that it came out that it was a misunderstanding, and then he was manipulating it because initially I was like, they've actually just made him a full-on sex pest now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm glad that he was more in control of it, and it seems like she's been doing this to lots of famous people who stayed yes. in the hotel. Yeah, and he yeah. got wind of it, um, but. Let's face it, he's not far of a sex pest in the end of last season. Yeah. And also, you know, we just talked about it now. It was like this mad misconception about British people being wild about, you know, like really like quiet about sex. We have a podcast where we have to talk about the Grot Cabinet, which was shown on a TV show that was on Saturday nights, like primetime TV. Like in this episode, we've got a sex scandal lying about Jonathan being a gynecologist and a lady being like, oh, I got a couple of things I'd like to ask you. And then like really kinky prostitute sex. I wonder if the very fact that we have to designate it as Grot makes us repressed. It's a good point. That we don't see it as just a normal part of the episode. Yeah. Maybe that's it. Yeah, that's true. But I I do feel like if for children, and we were children watching this, having like the kinky prostitute sex scene at seven o'clock on a Saturday night, it's kind of odd. Also, I do think it's quite good that Jonathan would note the abrasions of handcuffs on wrists. Yes. She seems quite surprised about that. He's like, there's a pretty good reason why he would know that. Yeah, 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 that's true. Actually, yeah. I have got this as grot. When Lenny shows Maddie his bullet wounds, hmm. she has a really good stroke of his chest Ooh. examining them. She doesn't even touch them. She just strokes her hand down in the middle of his chest. It's quite a sexy scene as well, because maybe it's, it's sexier because it's in the dark and you can't see it. But when Jonathan puts his hand inside uh, Maddie's bra. I mean, that's pretty... That's as steamy as they've been. I love that. That was a good sexy scene, that was. Just come back from the pub, had a couple of pints. Yeah. I was going to say, what got you aroused, that or the pub? Yeah. <laughs> Both go hand in hand. Getting a little bit uh, frisky after four pints. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, have you got anything else for the grot cabinet? Or can you shut that? We can shut that. But I just want to say, I love you, Kimono, Adam. Not big stuff on the romance update for Jonathan and Maddie this week. But what I did put is like, this has been a year now in real time since the last episode. And it feels like they are now firmly friends because she's just popping around with clothes just to wash in his washing machine. Do you know what I mean? And I know she is cheeky and that's her whole thing, but it feels like they see each other a lot now. It's a very easy relationship, the fact that she can drop around and that's before 7am. Yeah. Um, he also says as well in that same scene uh, when she's talking about the dinner pies, I know what you're like at dinner pies. Well, we've never seen them at a dinner party together. So we've got to assume that they are doing this all the time and going out the different stuff. It's weird that... If this is something Renwick wants to really pursue, and we know we're going to get onto this stuff this season yeah. of the show, they don't really do much in this episode apart from that steamy, quite hot and heavy scene in her flat. Yeah. Also, she's moved house again. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's quite forceful with him after the pub. So I wonder if this happens on and off in that last year. Yeah, I think so. Where think, they sometimes... I think this is Renwick being, like, going against the grain and being like no we're not going to have this big reveal it's not going to be building up to this thing it's actually going to be a lot more subtle and a lot of stuff is going to be happening off off camera 
I respect that idea, but I don't think it's necessarily the most satisfying <laughs> way of uh, of moving their relationship on, if I'm honest. I wonder if he just thinks if they get together, how do I just do the normal bits of the show? Maybe that's the thing is like, you know, once they actually get together, are people going to care after that? But then I would still care about the chase getting to that point. Whereas what, I, what I'm getting instead is really unsatisfying, which is just like, oh, he's, they're good enough friends that he can touch her boob yeah i don't know i don't know what i want i don't know what i want just like jonathan exactly just like jonathan on the next episode we meet a 73 year old woman who can see into the future predicting a murder long before it takes place in the eyes of tericius up the creek is produced by rkg we make podcasts and videos about games movies basically anything fun including 23-year-old BBC shows about a magician's assistant who lives in a windmill. If you'd like to find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash RKG. 